So, so the reason we decided to do this is the emergency legal pod, right? Yeah, that's right. So, barely so I feel legal? Like barely legal? Uh, I, I feel like that's already done. Ah, damn. <laughs> um, what would we name it then? I guess we can come up with a name at a later date. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Not so legal minds. Okay. Um, but yeah, so, so I was thinking like a few things that happened that are pretty big. One is uh, making of a murderer made everyone into a criminal as- expert. Yeah. Um, and to less degree serial before that, right? Yep. Uh, we have, you know, the election season, which is always interesting. And we have uh, Scalia dying, which yep. is really huge. And, you know, for the first time, we're going to have all three branches of government pretty much up for grabs in, I think, almost so 40 years. I will say that even though we uh, both went to law school together, I feel like I'm only really qualified to talk about one of those. I'm not going to tell you which. One. I'm not going to. Yeah, it might be. It's a surprise. <laughs> we'll see. The rest so of it, I'm going to just make it up. Um, whatever you're, you mean, you can choose. Uh, well, well, let's start with uh, pop culture with uh, with making of murderer. Okay, I think it's and making a murderer. Is it? I thought yeah. it was of a making a murderer. Okay, that makes more sense. Yeah. Well, did you watch the whole thing? I did. I did. So I watched everything except the last episode. Oh, really? But, yeah. Well, you get I feel sick like of it. I kind of, I, I get it at this point. No, but there, wait. So, do you do you know what happens in the last episode? Yeah, I know what happens because okay. my sister was obsessed with it and wanted to talk to me because I was a lawyer. So she told me what happens. So, like, the, you know, like the whole Ken Kratz thing, right? Yeah, yeah. Okay, because that was like the one bombshell, right? Like, I was like, ah, okay, like I get it. What, what you know? What are they going to do now? I know how the story ends, and then that happened, and I was like, oh yes, it's amazing. I don't know. Well, I thought it was amazing. So, what what are your thoughts initially as a lawyer on on the show? As a lawyer, I, I thought that it was very similar. I mean, you're testing my memory now because my memory is generally not that great, um, and I've seen it more than a month ago now. But um, I think that it's very similar to Serial. Like, I thought that um, there's just no way that he would be guilty beyond a reasonable doubt, right? Right. I, there's some questions. I don't know whether he's guilty or not, right? And in Serial, I kind of leaned towards he was guilty, but, you know, regardless, he probably shouldn't be in jail. Uh, here, I'm probably leaning towards he's not guilty. Um, although, there, you know, there's definitely still a chance that he is guilty. Who knows, right? But um, that he probably should not be in jail. So I, I think that's probably the biggest thing, which is I feel like for the first time, the mainstream culture, maybe since OJ, the mainstream culture is talking about the reasonable doubt standard and the idea of, you know, it's the prosecution's burden, uh, better to let an innocent man, I'm sorry, other way around, le- le- better to let a guilty man go free than an innocent man go to jail. Right. And so, you know, depending on what you think reasonable doubt is, I think everyone agrees it's somewhere between 90 and 99%, right? Yeah, I think they, I think that someone asked me that in law school, and I was like, uh, and I didn't know what percentage to put because I, I didn't know if it was like a, an actual answer. <laughs> um, yeah, there, there is no actual answer, right? right? right because right. it's it, it's it's reasonable, and as we learn in law school, and for for anyone listening, uh, reasonable person is called the objective standard, but it's really very subjective, right? Because sure. what you think is reasonable doesn't mean. I'll think it's reasonable. Right. So, but but beyond a reasonable doubt, I think most scholars will agree it's somewhere between ninety it's and ninety nine percent. I actually, and, it's funny because Karen didn't know what it was. Do you think that average people know what the standard is? 
I think that my short answer is no. And that's what I'm saying is that I think serial uh, making a murderer and, you know, its predecessor, the O.J. Simpson trial, I think that was probably the first time um, reasonable doubt became in the modern lexicon and of the average person. Um, I would like to think that most a lot of people do now, but I'm not sure if that's true. Yeah, she didn't know what it was. And then um, she was like, hey, so what does that mean? And then kind of flashed back uh, to law school and I was like trying to explain it. And she was like, I'll just go on YouTube. Yeah, I'll go on YouTube and, and, and look it up. But, uh, you know, we eventually figured it out together. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, but it was interesting that you didn't know what it was. Um, good, good thing you spent that $150,000 on that oh, law yeah. school education. <laughs> no, I mean, I, I was trying to, I just, I figured I could explain it to her, right? But like, it's easier if someone else who actually like prepared a response and I don't know, had like a two minute video on YouTube could probably do a better job explaining <laughs> it to them. Yeah. Well, anyways, the idea being that I, th- I think we both agree on the idea that neither Adnand or or this guy uh, is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. Is that fair? Yeah, I would say and, so. And but both of them were were found guilty unanimously by twelve people, and presumably, uh, I I think that the you know the lawyers in making a murder were very good and we could talk more about that later too but um and you know any lawyer worth the salt in any kind of murder case the first thing you say is this is the standard of evidence this is the prosecutor's burden to prove we don't have to prove anything you know they have to prove this beyond a reasonable doubt that's you know 101 so i'm confident that you know that was made clear in in both cases yet despite them explaining that 12 people unanimously found both these people guilty. And so my question is, do you think that's jury nullification? Or do you think that our impression of reasonable doubt is is kind of skewed because we're kind of skeptical lawyers? I do not know. <laughs> that's my uh, expert opinion. But you get what I'm lawyer. saying, right? Right. Which is that, you know, obviously they explained what reasonable doubt is to these jurors. Right, right, right. And... Well, Again, I, I think well, that what's reasonable is going to vary, but they got 12 people to unanimously say in both these cases that this person is guilty beyond a reasonable doubt. I think that, like, um, and probably myself included, but, like, the average person, I could be wrong, but I think the average person probably tends to believe the police, the government, things like that, especially in, like, you know, in serial um, when they had like the cell phone testimony saying, you know, oh, well, he's there. And it turns out maybe that's, you know, maybe not the most accurate. But at the time, a lot of times when the police all say, yeah, we're sure it's this guy. And there's this evidence corroborating his location. And then especially coupled with like, well, then if it's not him, who else would it be? Right? Like, how come there are no other suspects or or who could it be? It kind of leans toward, you know, it's, it's easy for people who don't really know, uh, to kind of say, all right, I guess it's him, right? So, so I guess that goes back to my point, which is that what we think is reasonable doubt, I guess to most people, isn't reasonable doubt. Yeah, maybe. And and, and by the way, in, in Making a Murder, they talked about this, um, they're excluded from offering an alternative uh, suspect. Right. And, th- and that's often the case in criminal cases, right? Because it's, it gets you back to the, you know, the tale of two cities uh, issue of... 
you know, you have identical twins and you say he did it. And then on his trial, you say he did it, then no one could ever be convicted. Right. 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 So, yeah, in a lot of cases, they're they're prohibited from, you know, saying it was so and so or or just accusing someone else. Um, So, you know, hopefully that was explained as well. And, and, you know, people aren't expected to be offered up, uh, you know, who did it, because that's the whole point is that it's not the defendant's burden to, to do those things. The other thing that I thought is always interesting is that every um, you know criminal lawyer says don't let your client testify, right? But mm-hmm. I think more often than not, people are really uh, hurt by that because I think jurors are always like, well, if I didn't do it, I would of course testify, yeah. or I wouldn't right. have anything to hide. You know, right. it's kind of kind of that answer. So yeah. um, I, I always think that's interesting. I I feel like more you know, criminal lawyers should make their clients testify because there's such a stigma to not testifying. But to be clear, neither of us are criminal lawyers. No. Oh, okay. yes. <laughs> okay. Neither of us know what we're really talking yeah. about. But, <laughs> but we, if someone we else's lies were on the line, I would tell them to testify. I, I think I might, you know. Well, Brendan I mean, Dassey, he, he testified, right? Yeah. Brendan and and I thought that, like, uh, I was very nervous. I was like, yeah. oh, man, this guy, not the sharpest uh, tool in the shed. And I yeah. was like, oh, man, this guy is going to just totally mess it up. And he did a really good job. And, and that's the thing is that, you know, again, he was still convicted. So how good of a job could he have done? But, yeah, right, right, right. But, but, yeah, I think that people are really afraid of someone tearing into them. But I, I think that the downside of that compared to the jury just making their own assumptions and filling in the gap are kind of overstated. I'm not, I'm not saying that it's always the right call. And obviously, if you have a client, especially someone like Brendan, I would be very hesitant to, to do that. But if you have someone who's fairly intelligent and kind of can keep his story straight and is decent under pressure, uh, even if he's kind of, you know, gets flustered a little bit, I, I think it's better than, um, you know, people just sitting there and judging him at the defense table the whole time. So could be right. I mean, I think my takeaway for the whole... Um from the whole show was actually that like it it kind of boggled my mind that like I, I so I didn't really like um, Ken Kratz I, you know he he might have done a good job um, and, but I think like it kind of set it up for like um, you know he has a job right his job is to uh, get the conviction right and it kind of sets up the system where like I mean maybe he does believe that that he's guilty I, I don't know but like with all these things going on like. He kind of needs to. It's more about winning for him than it is about like, is this just right? Yeah, I mean, I guess that's the idea. Is that at the end of the day, the whole point of the adversarial system is that two people going at it is the only way to end up in the middle a little bit, right? Now, right. I know that it's different. That prosecutors have a ethical duty to only prosecute cases that they believe in. But once they believe in it, their job is to win. Um, right, but so, like, what if they like tampered with some evidence, or what if he's like, "Hey, you know what? Like, I think they did." Like, he would never, he would never disclose that. He would never be like, "Oh, you know what? Like, well, I'm going to lose this one because like this is not fair, right?" But like, he probably should. He probably has to disclose that stuff. But he probably, I mean, realistically, is he going to or is he not going to? I don't know, right? Yeah, no, I completely agree. I mean, that that's the whole thing is that at the end of the day, you have humans who are, you know oftentimes going to be act selfishly, look out for themselves, protect themselves. Yeah. Um, even if they initially want to do the right thing, if they, if they see something bad happens or they see that they could help their career in the long run, I think you know m- most people or a lot of people 
are going to do what benefits them personally, right? And I guess the only check against that is that you have someone, you know, who is actively trying to fight you on the other side, right? And trying to expose those truths and trying to, you know, be willing to go and find out where the vial of blood is and if there's a hole in it and kind of all that stuff, right? right? But if they're not going to let them, like, have their own, you know, like, it, it's it's unfair access to information and stuff like that, right? That, like, um, can they even, is it, is it a fair fight, I guess? Yeah, I mean, I, I think that's it, it's not a fair fight, and hence the burden, right? Hence the you know ninety ninety five percent certainty that you need. Uh, that's probably the only way to do it. I mean, I guess I'm I'm defending the system, and that's because I actually do really believe in the system. You know, oh, I do bit, too. I mean, I mean, I think it's the best system out there, and I I believe in the adversarial system. I think that sometimes it creates a lot of inefficiencies, right? Um, you know, is is someone trying to hide the ball and someone trying to discover it, as opposed to just playing ball, right? Right. But um, but I do think that it it it's the best system out there. The only other thing I wanted to ask you about these cases is that, you know, the the number one thing I hear from people who aren't lawyers are that wow, I didn't know that. I had this much distrust from the cop for the cops or for the authorities until now. And I would never talk to the police, you know, even as a witness without getting a lawyer now. And, and, you know, th- that this kind of just general uh, distrust for law enforcement. And I think that has to do with a lot of things like the black lives matter movement, sure. you know, right. Ferguson. Um, but I think these kind of things like serial and, and making a murder kind of drive that home for a lot of, you know, average Americans, uh, are, are you hearing anything like that about people saying, oh, wow, I didn't know that, you know, I distrusted cops as much or I have more of a distrust for authorities? I actually haven't heard that much. Of it. I mean, other than the, like the Black Lives Matter and stuff like that, I feel like if you are black or you're, you are a minority or, you know, you had run-ins with the law where, um, like, when I went to jury duty, I, I would hear people saying, you know, like, oh, I'm biased against cops because, you know, I was arrested or, you know, something like that, right? I, I just think that, like, the average... You know, if you're just in the middle of no, like if you're in Wisconsin and you're like a, I don't know, like an elderly white person on the jury, they probably don't have that much, you know, they don't have misconceptions about the cops or they don't have like bad feelings about, you know, trusting them, things like that, right? So the average person in America probably does trust them, but I think that people, maybe younger people or minorities especially, do have that feeling. Yeah. I I mean, I, I've been hearing more of, about that from my, my friends and family. Like my sister, for example, and, and our mutual friend, Teresa, after I was talking about the show with them, both of them were like, yeah, I'm never talking to the cops, even if it's for something. Oh, I so- mean, well, they, they shouldn't. I mean, that's, that's probably a good thing, right? Yeah, it, it is a good thing, but it's also not necessarily a good thing, right? I mean, just think of how many investigations could be hindered because my sister witnessed something but is like, hey, I, I, oh, I don't know. Oh, I see. I don't know what they're going to put on me or maybe they'll blame me or maybe they'll say I didn't do something or broke some kind of law in order to pressure me into talking because, you know, who knows what they're going to do. I'm just going to say, look, I don't want to talk to you without a lawyer. And, you know, it might just make normal everyday investigations that much more difficult, you know, for for a cop who's like, you know, talking to neighbors or, you know, nobody will talk to him. Right. Yeah, exactly. I mean, was that guy a man or a woman? And you're like, uh, lawyer. uh, Yeah. Right. Like. (laughs) I mean, that that is the number one piece of advice I give my friends who, like, ask me about, like, things like, oh, what happens if I get pulled over for a DUI or what happens if I get, you know, right. arrested for X, Y, Z. And the one thing I said, say lawyer and they can't talk to you after that. 
Yeah. yeah um, right. And, and but I'm just thinking like if if every time someone is questioned or someone I mean, every, everyone lawyers up, I don't think it's realistic. Yeah, right? I don't think that's like a yeah. It's like, but but I, but I do wonder if more people will kind of be aware and if if they did partially do something and lawyer up and it'll help more guilty people go free because people become kind of more educated about what their rights are and what could possibly happen. I think if you took it to the extreme, I could see that, but like it seems unrealistic. I, I think that it generally is sound advice if you are arrested or you are questioned and even if you think you didn't do anything um, and, and you think you are the I mean, I guess sometimes you might not know that you're the suspect, like like Stephen or, yeah. or Brendan, and they might not have known that they were the suspect, but they were talking to the cops and so they were more forthcoming than they probably should have been. Right. Um, but well, in general, Brendan, when Brendan someone's... he was going to go to six period after that. I know, right. And watch uh, WrestleMania. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I mean, I think in general, if someone asks you a question and it's just a general question, there's really no harm answering that, right? I don't think uh, it's, people are going to just be like, no, I need a lawyer for like, you know, how are you doing today, lawyer, right? Like, I, I think that, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, again, like, I think if a cop came in and said, hey, can I look around your house? I would say no, even though I have nothing to hide in my house. Um, Whereas I think the average person would say yes. And the difference between me and the average person is that I'm more educated and more cynical about it. And I'm wondering if these kind of shows and stuff will make people more educated and more cynical about it. I mean, it might. I guess we'll see. Yeah, it's actually a good segue into the uh, the Apple thing. I don't know if you the did Apple thing. Yeah, I, I I think it is because you know I, I read about this a little bit yesterday, um, and again this morning uh, when when you brought it up to me, and it was interesting because I feel like we're kind of on on two different sides of this uh, this issue. Well, we'll see. So let's just describe the issue, right? Sure. So apparently the uh, the mass murderers of the San Bernardino case, right? Which is by yes. somewhat by you, right? Yeah, it's about an, an hour. hour. Yeah, yeah, right. Um, so they, the I guess the guy had an iPhone five C, and uh, the authorities, the FBI, were were working with uh, Apple to try to like get the information from his phone, which was protected with a passcode. Right, and they couldn't do that, and so they went to court, and the court ordered that Apple, you know, do reasonable, like conduct reasonable assistance to help them. Uh, Unlock the iPhone, I guess. Yes. Did you actually read the magistrate judge's order? No. Okay. I read Tim Cook's letter. <laughs> okay. Well, I actually went back and read the magistrate judge's order. Okay. And I also uh, read it in a little bit more detail. So it, that's that's the gist of it, but it's actually a little bit more complicated than that. So the FBI is willing to do the work to figure out the passcode, to break the passcode. Um, the right. problem is that iPhones, and I didn't realize this till actually fairly recently uh, when I was messing around with my iPhone 6's settings, um, is that there's an option that says, if you enter the wrong code 10 times, wipe the phone. Which you should probably turn on. Should I? Well, so, you know, actually, I mean, this is kind of an aside, but kind of related, is that actually, as I've been reading articles about this, um, it turns out that, you know, the, the newer phones, starting from the 5S on, that have the Touch ID... Uh, the way that they communicate with the Touch ID is there's this like little chip called the Secure Enclave, right? Okay. And that actually has its own software that's different than iOS. Interesting. Um, and so that has its own security features. 
Uh, and if you guess the passcode wrong, uh, like, you know, a, n- a few number of times, like four times, I think you get free. Uh, and then after that, you need to wait a certain amount of time before you can enter another one. So even if you don't have that erase 10 times feature on, um, you have to wait progressively longer and longer and longer. And I think eventually it gets to like either like an hour or like a day before you have to like, you can push another code in. So really? as long as your code is not like 0009, right? Like if it's like 9999 or whatever, you know, like depending on what the people use when they brute force try to attack it, it will still take them, even for a four-digit code, it will take them over Years. a year. Yeah, wow. At least over a year. And then now Apple, the default is now a six-digit code, so that'll take even longer. So if you had like an eight-digit code and you had even like this kind of like time delay security method, um, it would still take them so long that it's probably not worth it. But in general, like I always turn the, the 10 thing off because there's just no way I'm going to get the password wrong 10 times in a row. Right. So here's a couple things. First of all, do you use the six-digit code? Yes. Well, see, I bypassed that went back to four because I'm so used to doing four. But, so. don't, but don't you use Touch ID? I do. So, but, I mean, you don't need to enter it that many times, right? No, Unless not you're, that like, many. out of the shower or something like, you know, your hands are wet. Like, usually yeah. it works. Yeah, exactly. I would say that most time it works. But I do, you know, every once in a while out of the shower or when I restart it. Or a lot of times, though, I give my phone to people to let them use. Um, and they'll be like, oh, what's the password? I'll be able to tell them. And I don't want oh, to tell real them. That's secure. Yeah. <laughs> um, the police are so, like, Arnab, what's the password? Five, One, five, five, yeah, eight. Yeah. <laughs> but so anyways, I switched to four. Also, so I don't have the 10 thing on because I'm always worried about what if someone, you know, is messing around my phone or thinks it's their phone yeah. and enters it too many times or who knows what happens. Right. I, I don't want to lose my data. And if people can't get it right anyway, even with a four digit code, you know, I'm not really worried about erasing the data if they can't get in. I'm not worried about like the FBI brute forcing my phone. Right. But anyway, so here the issue is that the FBI is willing to brute force their phone, but they're afraid that the 10 time thing is on and they don't know one way or the other. Yeah, so I read an article saying that, right, like the FBI have been unsuccessful trying to break into this phone, right? But then when they when I saw that, I was like, well, how unsuccessful were they? Like, have they tried nine times? They're like, hey, guys. Do you really know what it is? Because we might only have one more try, right? Like, let's just nobody touch it, and we'll just go to Apple, right? Like, they tried nine times anyway. Like that—that that, that would be hilarious. Yeah. Like, you think it's zero 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 zero? I'm no try anyway. Well, yeah, yeah, right. Like, we'll try the top nine, and then we'll go to Apple. Yeah. So the idea is that they have to find a way into the iOS to turn off the top ten, and then the FBI is willing to do the brute force method. And get right. in through it. They also want uh, Apple to allow them to enter the brute force method via like another external computer or something. Right. They don't need to pay someone to like type it into the phone, right? Exactly. Well, well, if you read the order, it says either you know by some external way or or something. It gives them a few options, right? So the the idea that the the main thing to, and it says he has to use reasonable efforts, but the main thing is that I what I don't understand is that. You're allowed to, you know, subpoena records. You're allowed to have them turn over things. Uh, you're allowed to, you know, uh, ask someone to testify, right? But to have someone create something for you, and in basic, you know, civil discovery rules, uh, one of the big exceptions is you don't have to produce anything if it doesn't currently exist. 
and you can't make someone create something in the course of discovery. Um, now, often you'll come up with compromises where you say, look, I don't want to have to produce this voluminous records. I'm willing to create the summary chart instead. But you, you're never allowed to force someone to create something. And that's kind of the issue that I have with this is that the government is not asking them to turn over something that they have, not asking them to you know, testify and give them information, but asking them to create something for them. And that's where I have an issue is that can you, you're, you're commandeering a group of people and making them do your bidding. It's like kind of specific performance on a contract, which is prohibited. And specific performance is when, and I know you know this, obviously, Jason, but it's when, oh, you know, as someone, well as I know, reasonable doubt. <laughs> but, you know, if someone breaks a contract, you know, it's, you can almost never make them fulfill the contract. The remedy is usually money. Um, unless it's a very unique item or something like that in which they can turn it over. But you can never make them perform a service under a contract. Right. And that's kind of, you know, I think there's a lot of implications. That's, you know, servitude basically is forcing them to do something. Uh, and I don't understand how you could, you know, force somebody to create, write code for you. I mean, how is that legal? That the government is basically saying... Jason, I want you to spend the next six months writing well, code to do this. What, what if they got compensated? They, they still that still wouldn't help. Well, I mean, the 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 order does say that the government has to reasonably compensate Apple for this. Um, but yeah, I, I don't think that helps because again, if I say Jason, uh, you know, the government is forcing you to you know quit your job and write code for, for the next six months right, that you know th- that helps the government you know get more Japanese people into internment camps, you know, and you're morally opposed to it, you know, can they force you to do that? I don't think they can, even if they say, I'm going to compensate you 20 bucks an hour for it or whatever is reasonable. Okay, so do you think that, like, if there's, I don't know, like, how, how, this, how would this play out? Like, do you think that Apple would win because courts would then say, like, oh, well, we can't force them to do this? Or do you think that Apple is eventually going to lose? So I think the interesting thing is it's the... A ruling was issued by a magistrate judge, not a Article Three judge. So the first question is: Do they did they consent for all purposes to the magistrate, or um, is the is it assigned for uh, findings and recommendations to the magistrate, and the Article Three judge has to approve it in order for it to actually be an order? Um, assuming it's the former that they uh, you know consented for all purposes to the magistrate, they still have the chance to appeal to the Article Three judge. Right, so it still has to go Obviously. to the so it still has to go to the Article Three judge, yeah, and then after that it goes to the you know Court of Appeals, right, and then after that possibly to the Supreme Court, right. Apple obviously uh, is not worried about costs, so they're right. not going to settle, so they're going to appeal it all the way through, and I think um, temporarily they'll be able to get an injunction um, against the enforcement of the order until they uh, the appeals through. Right, but so, I mean, do you think that there's a, like, if you were to bet, right, like, say this goes to the Supreme Court, we, we take it to the end of the line, right? Right. Like, do you think Apple is on solid footing here, or do you think they're not? I think they're on good footing, and I think they're on much good footing today than they were on Friday. They were, oh, you think the magistrate ruling has not changed anything? No, I think Scalia's death changes things. Oh, oh, oh I see, I see. <laughs> ah, I see what you did there. 
Yeah, no, that's true. Because right, that that's probably a good point. Yeah, because think of it this way: a, a conservative judge and court at some point said that Japanese internment was legal, and why? Because at some point, like all constitutional rights, um, you weigh the government's interest against the person's interest, right? That's usually what these come down to, right? right? And they said, you know, World War II, it was enough of an interest that you had to intern all these Japanese camps. Now, I think almost no modern court would allow that, but you had a conservative enough court at the time, right? I think this is a, a, a similar situation where you're saying, uh, for example, at one point, the, the president, um, gosh, I, I'm forgetting my history, but remember he conscribed a bunch of steel workers into the army and said, look, you've been drafted and now I can, now I can order you to do something. And made people work in steel plants and and steel and mines during during the war, right? That's one way you can force people to do something. So there are you know legal loopholes to force people to do things, right? You just have to say that the government interest is strong enough, and I think that interest against the you know rights of Apple and and other you know people and companies is going to really depend on the makeup of the court. Um, I think they have a very good argument, but I think you're ultimately going to be um, led by judges who are sometimes outcome-oriented. And there is terrorism, which is you know a huge government interest, right? Um, and then you also have the fact that, look, this is Apple and it's you know technology and a lot of people's lives are on these devices. So it's really going to turn on the makeup of the court. Um, and right now, I wouldn't be surprised if there was a 4-4 tie on the issue. Well, but don't you think that the uh, Supreme Court justices also have iPhones? Huh? I I would I would wager to say many of them use flip phones. <laughs> okay, maybe. <laughs> Considering that some yeah. of them are in their eighties. <laughs> Listen, the iPhone's easy to learn. They can I, they can still learn how to use it. It's never too I, late. I don't know. I'm having trouble with this Mac. <laughs> Macs actually are not that easy to learn. I mean, I, I obviously know how to use mine. I've been using one for about seven years now. Um, but I would say any anytime you have an operating system that's like as complex as like a desktop operating system. Or, or a laptop operating system, it's just, it's never going to be super easy to use. Right. But anyways, well, okay, so I, I have a question. So um, one thing that I propose, and I kind of, in the in the afternoon, I was talking to some friends about this, and um, I guess when I read Tim Cook's letter, I actually thought it was surprisingly good. Um, when I first saw all the links in the morning, I was like, yeah, it's going to be just some whatever letter. I don't really care. But then I actually read it and I thought it was pretty good. And they talked about like um, how this would be like a master key to like everyone's phones and if it got in the wrong hands and all this stuff, right? So um, why doesn't... Okay, so say like the government can... Okay, I guess how would I phrase this? I would say Apple has like, you know, a legit interest in wanting to keep their customers' data private and, and you know, kind of be like a standing up for people's rights and, and things like that, right? Um, the government, obviously, in this case in particular, has an interest in finding out the contents of the phone, right? So I think there's legitimate interest on both sides, right? Right. Um, what if they just reach a compromise where the government says, here, we'll give you the phone, right? We'll send you the phone to Apple, right? You guys make the software, put the software on this phone. Because one argument is that, like, uh, the government is claiming... We only want, it's not a blanket thing. We don't want, like, the master key to every phone. We just want the contents of this one phone. And people who protect Apple or, you know, defend Apple are saying, well, 
who knows? Like, there's a temptation that once they use it and once Apple hands them the software, they'll just use it again or they'll they'll do it again. And you know, who knows? What if the wrong person gets the software, including like a hacker? Then now they have the key to everyone's phone and all this stuff, right? Which I think is a legitimate concern. So my compromise is: what if the government just hands the phone to Apple, says, "Hey, you guys create the software, extract the data from the phone, give us the the extracted data, and then delete the software. Like, don't even give us the software, right?" I I think like, wouldn't that there work? is some sense to that, but I see a lot of issues with that. So the first thing is once you create something and you know it can be created again, there is that temptation to say whenever there's a case, whether you know what's the next murder case, right, right, right. The oh, next, we need you know, this thing. Do it again. The next child pornography case. The next whatever you know. You're saying we need it. You know how to do it. It's low burden. Do it again, right? And then it becomes, you know, the, the standard protocol to, to do that. Um, the other issue, and this is kind of, you know, going back to our, you know, government and burden of evidence is, are you really going to have private companies extracting the information and being part of the chain of custody with this thing? I mean, I think that's also problematic when you have, you know, a company giving companies like Apple that much power even to say that, look, now you're in charge of determining what's on someone's phone when they're convicted of terrorism. I mean, like in case Apple wants to then like plant some evidence in there and say, here, we found this on the phone and it happens to be like. Uh... Sure. What, what if there's a case against a Google executive and, you know, the, now, oh. you know, Apple's responsible for they're probably guilty. these things? But that's no, kidding. <laughs> no, I mean, but it, but I love it you, Google. <laughs> I mean, it makes sense that you know. No, that's look, a fair. That's a fair point. You know, as much as we are talking about corrupt cops and things like that with making a murder, you know, these are at least people who are like appointed as fiduciaries. They have elected people as their superiors and things like that. Like, that's a lot of power to give a p- public company who is legally obligated to maximize profits for their shareholders. Right. right, that is their number one responsibility, and they can be sued if they don't do that. Right, right. So this is a—it's it, really—and again, it's kind of the, the argument that Apple is making. It's very a slippery slope argument more than anything, which is that you know where does this stop? You know, you command people to do anything, and and I think there are real issues about you know Fourth Amendment rights, and even though obviously they have a warrant to do this, um, you know, outsourcing these kind of things to these private companies with no oversight. Uh, or even giving the oversight and making them do these things. So, uh, I mean, I do think that that solution is better than, you know, handing over the government a, a key that could be reverse engineered or tweaked to, you know, do other things. Um, but again, you know, like, I'm not someone who is completely, you know, uh, anti Big Brother off the grid by any means. Um, but at the same time, I'm also not, you know, kind of one of these people who is. is very open to having their entire business on the internet. You know, like I don't post on Facebook or Instagram or Twitter really. I, I, you know, I don't connect any of my uh, devices with one another. Um, you know, I don't even have messages go on my Mac or FaceTime go on my Mac from my phone. Hey, really? Uh, yeah. I, it took me a long time to make sure to disable all that, but I seriously spent the first day I got my Mac disabling all that stuff. Um, huh. So, so I am probably, you know, m- maybe more than the average millennial, uh, you know, skeptical about uh, 
technology and the government's right to, you know, kind of track our every movement and things like that. So, so I probably fall slightly on the uh, more aggressive Apple side on this with the encryption and things like that. I mean, I was using Tor for a long time for, for even my everyday web browsing. Um, I stopped doing oh, it wow. it's, because it, it's got slow and, and it was a pain in the ass and it wasn't worth it because I was, you know, mainly shopping on Amazon and sometimes they'd be like, you're out of the country. You cannot buy this item. Oh, wow. <laughs> or I'd go on to, or I'd go on to Netflix and it wouldn't let me access it because I'm in Sweden according <laughs> to Tor. Um, but yeah, no, I'm I'm a little bit you know more um, hesitant to trust the government and trust companies and and things like that. So I like the fact that even Apple can't necessarily you know access this stuff yet because they don't have the software well, themselves. But, okay, so here's like someone that I was talking to was saying the same thing, right? Or similar things, right? But like Apple is not saying that they can't do it, right? Right. And they're not even saying that like. Sure, technically we can do it. Like it's possible, but like it would be really difficult. They were just saying, "Oh, we don't want to do it, right?" Because of the because, right. So like, I don't know. Like, it just seems like um, what I would do, and I guess maybe this is not not uh, realistic. I guess, but um, like, if the government is really saying, "Look, we only want it this one time." then Apple can say, fine, we'll meet you halfway. We'll only do it this one time. We'll do it. And then if they're like, hey, guys, we know you did last time. Can you do it again? Then you can be like, look, see, they want a blanket thing. Say no, right? Like we did the one-time thing, right, For in, in, in the interest. We, we took you at your word, and now you're abusing it. Like you can, you know, it's playing out in the public where they keep going to Apple, right? So like if Apple hands them the keys, then who knows how many times they use it a hundred times, Apple will never know, right? But every time if they have to go to Apple, they can be like, look, like you said you only wanted this one time, now it's two times, now it's five times, now it's ten times, right? And then people might be like, Oh yeah, like they just want a master key. Let's not let, let them do this, right? And the PR PR hit would be like, you know, actually against the government, right? And like pro Apple, I think, right? Yeah, I, I get what you're saying, and and I think yeah, you just because you you compromise one time doesn't mean you have to compromise every time, right? But I do think that there's a difference in saying, look, this is possible, and maybe it's not even that hard, but no one has done it yet, right? And you would need to give people the resources and the encryption keys and things like that, right? And they haven't, and you know, to say that they want to even create this monster, you know, just because you have the technology doesn't mean you, you want to do things. They are drawing an ethical ground. It's just like, you know, some people felt that way about cloning sheep, right? And we have the technology to clone sheep, but some people felt it was morally wrong to clone sheep. And I, I don't agree with that, but, I you know, some people had a point with that, right? So I think that's the stance that Apple is taking, is that, you know, creating this, this program that allows you to do it is wrong. And, yeah, could we devote the resources to do that? Yeah, probably. But we don't want to. We don't want to pay our own people to create something that undermines the be security. Paid. A reasonable fee right, by the government. Right. I have a $15 feeling that, an hour. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, so yeah, like, again, I, I don't think it's unfair for Apple to say, no, uh, we, you know, we control this technology. We believe that we're using it in a responsible way. We don't want our technology to be used in an irresponsible way. And the fact that we can theoretically use it in an irresponsible way doesn't mean we should, even on a one-off basis. Yeah, no, no. I mean, so I guess one thing that I I had thought in the in the afternoon was that like 
people made a big deal about this phone being an iPhone 5C, which didn't have Touch ID, so it didn't have this secure enclave. So people were saying that like the newer phones have more security and like you wouldn't be able to do it. And I guess sometime in the evening, um, Apple kind of spoke to some reporters and said um, that actually they could do it for the newer phones as well. It would be a different way to do it, but it's still possible. And so I guess that kind of changes things a little bit. It means that like if they do it this one time, then, you know, again, like like we said, I don't think they need to do it every single time, but like it kind of starts them down the slippery slope of, um, well, this guy has an iPhone 6S Plus, and like, you know, we know that you guys can do it. Can you just do this one time, right? Like say there's like a, a nuclear explosion that's going to go off, right? And like we need to know, um, then, you know, it kind of does set them down that path, right? Right. I mean, the idea is that, you know, I guess the nuclear explosion part is probably not the best example, but like maybe like, you know, so-and-so is going to get kidnapped and like, you know, it would be really bad and, and, you know, maybe, and then where do you draw the line, right? Is that, is that bad enough or is that not bad enough, right? Who knows? Yeah. I mean, and again, I'm just thinking even further down the slippery slope, like what if I start up a company and it's, it's like based on privacy rights and I start up a cell phone company and I say, you know what? Right after I, every phone I sell has a unique encryption key that's destroyed immediately upon selling the, the, you know, the phone. You know, can the government say that's illegal? You know, because you have to create a way to get a backdoor in. You know, like, what, what if, you know, part of the reason I buy a phone is that, oh, this is super encrypted and can't be, you know, accessed by law enforcement. Like, is that wrong to well, have that phone or business model? There are those people that want to pass the laws that say that you can't have encrypted phones and yeah. encrypted, yeah. Exactly. And and part of, you know, Apple's business model may be that, look, we sell encrypted phones. People buy our phones partly because it's, you know, encrypted and, and hard to give. And that's why they're willing to put their bank information and everything on it. And yeah, Apple Pay. I mean, I, I'm one of those people. So Yeah. I mean, yeah. I mean, look, I have my bank information on my, on my phone and, and all that stuff, so... Again, I, I I understand why they want to draw this line in the sand, and I think that there is some you know interest on both sides. But I kind of fall on the side of um, you know saying that the privacy right um, trumps the, the the state's interest, um, and that again you know even though the state's interest is very strong in this case, I think that the privacy right trumps, and I think that forcing a company to do something that they're you know that they're categorically opposed to and that they're philosophically opposed to is is a problem and and it's kind of interesting because you get into you know citizens united and you know citizens united says that ah uh, yes the, that they're people and that they're companies yes they did say that they were people and as a person can you force apple the you know person the corporation with rights to do something like this I don't know what Citizens United is, but okay. Yeah, well, Citizens United <laughs> is, and this kind of segues us well into, I think, the, the Scalia discussion, um, because Bernie Sanders, and all, or also the political discussion, because um, Citizens United is one of the cases that says unlimited money in politics, because, um, you know, spending money is speech, and, oh, okay. and, and corporations are people. And so corporations can spend money as much as it wants in order on elections and things like that because to infringe on that is an infringement on their freedom of speech rights. And it's, you know, it's what created the PACs and the super PACs and, you know, a lot of stuff in, um, 
in the current political climate in the election. And it was a, it was a, you know, five to four decision, um, you know, with, with, that was very close with the kind of along party lines. Um, so it's kind of interesting because I'm using it to make the liberal argument in this case, when usually Citizens United <laughs> is, is kind of decried by every liberal as, you know, the beginning of the downfall of our, of our society and, and our, uh, you know, political system. So, so I don't know. Really you're a Republican. That's what I, you're saying. I, I didn't say I was a Democrat <laughs> or a Republican. Okay. In fact, if you, if you look at my voter registration, it says decline to state. Okay. But yes, I'm very liberal. Um, <laughs> but, but no, so that kind of gets us into two uh, kind of topics uh, that we kind of want to touch on too, which is one is the, the election and yep. two is the Supreme Court. So what do you want to hit first? Uh, I don't have too much to say on these things because I'm probably the least politically uh, opinionated law student there ever was. But um, you, you know the one thing about the Supreme Court thing that kind of bugs me is that, um, okay, so I, I personally believe that Obama probably should be able to you know, nominate whoever he wants at this time. And, and it's kind of weird uh, if the Senate says they're going to just, you know, reject anyone regardless of who it is, right? That's kind of a strange... I, I get it, but it's uh, it's kind of sad, right. I guess. But what I don't like is that, like, there's so many people back and forth saying, oh, here's how many justices got, uh, you know, appointed in the last, you know, however many, 10 months of someone's presidency. And then, you know, here's... You know, there's arguments both sides, but I just feel like if if it was the opposite... Like, say there was a Republican president and some liberal justice died, right? It would mm-hmm. just be the exact opposite. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, so then, like, it, it kind of, it, I don't know. Like, that's just, like, it's silly, right? Like, I would like it, if there was, like, one party and they're like, here's what we stand for and we think that they should be able to appoint it because that's what the Constitution says, Right. And then, like, if right. it's the opposite side, they should say the same thing. They shouldn't be like, oh, no, no, no. In this case, you can't do that. We're going to reject whoever you want. Like, you can nominate whoever you want, and we'll see what happens, right? Like, you know, like, right. why can't you just stick to the same position, right? But if you're going to take – if you're going to cherry pick on either side, then, like, I don't know. I don't want to get involved in that. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Like, the, the thing is that, like – so here's the thing. That if it wasn't – a you know hotly contested election year i think that that's what they would say they would say look i believe in the literal literal interpretation of the of the of the constitution i'm a textualist just like scalia was and unless you um you know uh nominate someone who is a textualist i'm gonna reject that but if you nominate someone who's a who's a textualist i will look at his credentials and and i would approve it Right now, if you say that, then it kind of you're so golden, right? Because Obama is not going to nominate textualist, and so you're right. going to be able to, you know, vote down anybody he says. Right. But at the same time, you're not taking a stance that's based purely on politics. You're taking a philosophical stance based on what you that's think true. the Constitution right. is. Right. Right. That's how they should do it. Now, the problem with that is that in this year, um, the Republican field is is so full that people need to distinguish themselves in these, you know, early primaries. And how do you do that? If you're a Republican establishment person, you do that by saying, I hate Obama. Right? And when you say, I hate Obama, you're saying, I hate Obama, and no matter who he nominates, I'm going to say no. 
And you know what? A bunch of conservative establishment right, right. people are like, yay, yeah, right? Yeah, right? And that's how they're getting points. And that's why they're saying that. That's why you have Cruz and McConnell and these kind of people saying that kind of thing. Whereas there's an easy way to get that same result without seeming like you're doing it for purely political reasons. Which is, like I would say, you know, hey, look, I believe that the Constitution is a living, breathing thing. I don't think you could just say that, um, you know, the framers wanted it to never change regardless of the, you know, the position of our country. And so unless you have a nominee that's going to interpret it in the way that I think the Constitution should be interpreted, I can't approve that person. Right? And so once again, showing your Republican roots. Exactly. <laughs> uh, my, my pro-business roots. And if I said that, then I said, you know, so but I will I will obviously consider whoever our president wants to nominate under, you know, Article right. two, Section two. It's yeah. his right to do so. Um, but if he nominates someone who we don't, you know, consent to, which is also our right under the Constitution. Right, right, right. You know, and that way you're you seem very reasonable. But what they're doing saying, like, I don't care who that he nominates, yeah. he can nominate, you know. Scalia's reincarnated body, and I would say no because yeah. it's an Obama. That that makes no sense. Yeah, you know, and that's yeah. kind of the problem. I mean, the the and it's going to be really interesting how this plays out, right? Because Obama says he's going to nominate somebody because he's in a no lose situation, right? If he nominates oh, yeah. somebody and they they you know they approve him, great. He's nominated another right. Supreme Court justice, right? If he nominates someone and they hold it up, and you know he's smart about who he nominates, someone who they approved previously, like. I guess the top contender is you know Sri Srinivasan, who's uh, you the know first the first Indian, first Indian would be the first Indian American yeah. Supreme Court justice, but he's on the um, you know federal bench right now in the in the D.C. circuit, which is kind of a breeding ground for um, you know a lot of Supreme Court justices, and he was approved by the Senate ninety-seven to zero, including Ted Cruz. And including a lot of these, you know, concerns. Yeah, but, could, but couldn't you argue that, like, he was approved for a different position, right? So, like, it's not, it's like saying, like, yeah, you're fit to be this level, but you're not fit to be this yeah, other level, right? Yes and no, though, because it's his job on a federal bench is to look at the law, interpret the Constitution, and interpret the laws, and do stare decisis. Yeah, and but, it, like, it's like saying, like, you know, would you hire me for my position now or would you hire me for like my manager's position, right? Would we do the same thing similarly? You know, like obviously they have more responsibility than I do, but same subject matter, right? We're doing the same kinds of things. We're interpreting the same kinds of regulations, right? But like I'm not fit to be at that level. I'm just fit to be at the level that I'm at now, right? Yeah, I mean, look, that's an argument, but I don't think it's a good one because in a, in a managerial level, the argument is that, yeah, but he might not be a good manager. He might not be a supervisor. Oh, right, but, but what I'm saying is like, yeah, I mean, I guess so, but like here, it's like it's like a, the highest level, right? You're saying like he doesn't have the experience or like, you know, he does you can find ways to kind of ding them where, yeah, I approve them for this level, but I didn't approve them you know, I yeah. wasn't considering them for the, the highest level of the court, right? Right, and and that's the argument that they have to make, right? But I think it's not the best argument because I think it's closer to saying that, oh, I'm in charge of making sure that you know pipes are safe, and I trust you to make sure pipes are safe. Oh, but if it's a really big pipe, I don't trust you. You know, like it's 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 harder to make that argument, right? And I think that again, you can make arguments, and there are ways you can you can make it. Um, but and they're already making that those same arguments, right? But I think it makes you look 
pretty bad and in some ways kind of silly when especially you're like Ted Cruz who actually didn't just say yes he actually gave a, a you know he he made statements talking about how great he was well but it's like okay so here's an analogy that I just came up with but like what if you're a manufacturer of like bulletproof glass right mm-hmm. and um you're saying like you're trying to hire someone to make bulletproof glass for that Popeye's chicken that's by USC right um I think there's a Popeye's chicken there was when we were there. Uh, okay, right, right. So, like, you know, and there's, I go in there and there's bulletproof glass, right? And you're like, yeah, you know, this company is good enough for our employees at Popeyes. Like, we can put it there. It stops, you know, whatever, right? But then if you're going to pick bulletproof glass for, like, the presidential automobile, right? Maybe you don't pick that guy, right? Maybe you're like, hey, let's go with someone else, right? Like, we, we didn't expect that this going to be, the president's going to be working behind the counter. Like, we might need better bulletproof glass manufacturers right yeah no i I, look i I think that's a legitimate argument absolutely but i think it also politically um makes you look kind of bad because like oh so you value popeye's chicken workers a lot less than 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 just because of course yeah just because they're (laughs) you know people like these people are you know uh people too and you're willing to sacrifice them to save money but and say great things about them? Did you not mean those great things? Again, I, I completely agree with you. I think there are completely legitimate arguments of why you appoint someone right. to a federal bench. I just look bad. No, I agree. I agree. Where he's one of you know, 5,000 versus one of nine. Right. So, yeah, I, I, I think that's the argument. I think that's the argument that you make and that they're going to make. But I think, you know, it's definitely going to make them look bad in the political cycle. So Obama kind of wins in that oh, sense. Oh, yeah. No, no, he should totally nominate someone. Right. So, but then the other sense is that, you know, the sacrificial lamb, right? Which is that if he nominates someone, that person is probably not going to go through it. Um, and usually once you lose out in the process, you can't go up there again. You're basically torn apart. People aren't willing to change their votes. So yeah. if you nominate someone like really qualified, like Sri Srinivasan, who he's close to, and he doesn't get nominated, you basically killed his chances for the rest of his life to be on Supreme Court. But what if the what if like there's I don't know the Democrats win the presidential election? It, and, it would like, never, never happen. Why? Because the no new a couple reasons. One, no new president wants to nominate someone that the old president did. They want to be their own person. So they never renominate somebody. Just politically speaking, that's never done. Okay. And second of all, um, once someone has been rejected, it's considered, you know, no one actually gets rejected. What they do is that they get into the process so much that they oh, withdraw they their own name. Yeah, yeah, okay. exactly. And so once they withdraw their own name, they can't be like, oh, I'm back. You know what I mean? <laughs> so, having a bad week. Yeah, exactly, yeah. right? So, so basically, you kill the person's chances. So what Obama, what they're saying is that instead of nominating someone who's qualified, he might as well nominate someone who's like a liberal giant, you know, nominate Chemerinsky or nominate, you know, one, one of these people yeah. who they know won't. Let them get beat up because he won't even get, you know, a fair vote, right? Let them you know, use that to galvanize the Democrat space, you know, get them out to the election, make that, you know, a, a political point, knowing that he's not going to get the nom and hopefully give it to Hillary. And or Obama can just resign and then have uh, Biden nominate Obama. Yeah, but then how does that help? They'll yeah, just hold I guess up they'll the, just reject him, right? What's the better way to do it? is to make a deal with Hillary and say, I will endorse your candidacy. In exchange, if you get elected, you, you have, have to nominate. nominate. Yeah. 
now she has four years and they can't really leave the Supreme Court open for four years. <laughs> and Obama goes through. Yeah. Well, See, okay. So real quick, because we probably have to wrap up. But um, are you for the presidential election? Yeah. Right? Um, I saw that video and I sent it to you. And mm-hmm. Hillary looks. Did you did you watch it? I watched it. Yeah, I see, Hillary looks pretty bad, right? Because she's like flip flopping a lot, or like so, I mean, and I think that you can probably make a video of similar quality, you know, sim- similar effect for for just about any politician, right? Um, but I don't know. It did not leave a good impression in my mind. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: is that I am. Not the hugest Hillary supporter, but I probably would vote for her in this election um, out of any of the other candidates out there. And the thing is, you know, she the reason I'm not the biggest Hillary supporter is because she's kind of the quintessential politician, right? But that being said, you're also looking at videos that go to like, you know, 2000, 2002, right? Right, right. And look, even Obama, who I'm a huge fan of, you know, was not for gay marriage when he was running his first time around, right? I would say that a lot of people today who are for gay marriage weren't for gay marriage not that long ago. I mean, if you look at all the charts historically, the the opinions around something like gay marriage have changed drastically in just a few years. Yeah, and so, it's not... See, I don't think you should get punished for changing your mind, I guess. Right. right? If you and, and actually change your mind. Right, and that's the thing is that I think, you know, I think a lot of her views have evolved. I think a lot of her views has changed. And I know, like, a lot the part of the problem is of her saying, I've been consistent, right? And yeah. when she clearly hasn't. Right. But, the, but that's kind of like one of those political statements that you kind of have to make, especially when you're running in a primary season, right? Of like, look, I'm a stalwart Democrat who's had this stuff. But I think it's obvious that her opinions have changed and that she's evolved and that she's, you know, made these things. And I think the whole, you know, the flip flop label, I don't really mind that that much. You know, again, I'm I would much rather have someone who's willing to change their mind about things than someone who's like a Ted Cruz, who is like, I don't care what science says. I don't right. care what history says. This is what I believe. No, no, no. I, right. no, I agree. Like, I think that it's important that you and, should be able to change your yeah. mind and have that ability and, and, you know, have the, I don't know, humbleness, I guess, to not oh, think that you're right all the time. Yeah. Open mindedness. Right. Right. No, and so that's why I think that even though it's it's one of those kind of politically charged words that gets used a lot, like maybe the reason I didn't think the video was that bad is that flip-flopping doesn't bother me as much, you know? If you're constantly flip-flopping, that's one thing, but if you have, you're, you know, it, it, what they showed really is more a change over time in those videos, Well, right? what about the emails? Yeah, I mean, the, the that emails... That was bad. I, I, again, I just don't think that that's that big of a deal. You know, well, but, that, okay, but but is it okay? So I don't actually even know that much about the emails, but like, and to me, like, okay, whether whether that's a like the emails itself is a big deal or not, like, is not a big deal to me, right? Right. Um, n- not I'm not saying because I don't know that much about the emails. I'm just saying like right. the the, the things, position on the emails, right? Right. Her, but her, like, it's almost like the Martha Stewart thing, right? It's not the crime; it's like the cover up of the crime, right? And so, like, her saying like, "Oh, I handed over ninety to ninety five percent of the emails," and they're like, "No, you handed over less than ten percent of the, you know, whatever it is." Like, like, I don't care about the emails, right? But like, if you're not even right. going to be honest about it once you get caught, and and you know, then then that is something, right? Then it's like, well, 
why can't you just say, all right, fine, I made a mistake. Here, here's a mistake, blah, blah, right? But like, the more you lie and then the more you get caught in more lies, then yeah. it's like, well, okay, then now I don't believe anything you say, right? Right. No, I, I agree. I just, I just think like there's also a, a level of this stuff that is, you know, that she's not controlling, that she's trying to portray a certain image and, and, and things like that. That there's a lot of balls she's trying to balance here because she's running for office and, and trying to project a certain image and at the same time, like, you know, listening to a lot of advisors and things like that, that like, I'm willing to cut all of them some slack with this kind of stuff. Because again, like I, this stuff is like basically like such a, a tap dance through laser beams that they're trying to do at this point. Um, and that they're listening to people who are saying, you know, don't give it, take a hard stance or give it and then say this or say, it's not a big deal. And, you know, and so, yeah. Again, like I'm, you know, giving her the benefit of the doubt on this. Again, I don't like it. I'm not saying it's a good thing. I don't think anyone's saying it's a good thing. I'm just saying like none of the things in that video are really deal breakers or that big a deal to me. Such that, you know, it's like makes me think that she would be bad for the office. I guess it would have come down to. And I think that ultimately looking at the field right now, um, she is head and shoulders above the next closest option. Even though, like I said before... I really wanted Biden to run. I really wanted a lot of people to run um, who I would have voted over Hillary. But we're left with, you know, on this side, Sanders and Hillary. And even though there's a lot of stuff about Sanders I like, I I don't think he would be a good president. Um, And on the other side, we're left with a bunch of crazy clowns, you know, Trump, don't get me started. You know, Ben Carson, who's, you know, ridiculous. Right. And, you know, completely shady. Ted Cruz, who is probably the worst. I'd much rather have Donald Trump president than Ted Cruz president, Um, because at least Donald Trump doesn't believe anything and he'll just go with whatever (laughs) works for him right now. Right. Um, And, you know, you got Marco Rubio, who, again, is is probably the best of the bunch that's realistic on that side, but is still, you know, a rookie uh, robot politician who apparently glitches uh, under pressure and repeats the same tagline over and over again. So I think, again, I don't love anybody in the field this year, but I think Hillary is probably the, uh, the you know, best of all evils at this point. What about when they, uh, where was that thing when she landed in the plane? She said she was under sniper fire. You didn't see that no. part? She said, uh, oh, I had to run to the cars and we had to like uh, not have the meet and greet at the on the tarmac and there was sniper fire. And then you just see video of her just like shaking hands and like talking to everyone on the on the tarmac. And, and then she was like, oh, look, I remember it being something different. Right. But yeah. Like, but 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 th- think of who else did that. The same exact thing happened to uh, Brian Wilson. Right. Uh, and, yeah, but he and- got fired. Right. No, he just got spit. He'll be back. Uh, but that, that's the thing is like I think in those war situations when people's like, "This is what's happening," you know, you gets in your head, and that's what you think no, happening. You I, have I, I don't know. I, I don't believe that she believed that. I don't know. I, 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 I doesn't mean that she's not going to be a good president. No, no, right? no. But like, like it has nothing to do with that. But like, I, I think personally, like I would, and maybe you know, it's easier said than done. But like, if you get caught in a lie, you kind of just say. You know, rather than double down, you'd be like, well, I remembered it as sniper fire. And I, you know, like kind of trying to rationalize it. I'd just be like, all right, like, you know, I'm sorry. Like, I, that was a mistake. And like, I maybe misremembered that one time. But don't double down and say, no, like, this is how it was. And then say again, like, you know, this is how it was. And then say, because 
what you're never going to convince anyone if there's video evidence of you know to the contrary, right? Yeah, no, I, I completely agree. I, again, I think a lot of these kind of politicians are so used to um, not getting caught in the lie being the important thing that they they are kind of programmed to spin as opposed to just say mea culpa, right? And I think they're also kind of from a time when not everything was on video and not everything oh, was yeah. recorded. So they're not used to it. And I, and I think that they're used to getting away with the spin and stuff like that a little bit more. And so, like, yeah, I, I completely agree. I think especially in, in today's society where everyone has a cell phone cam and everything is recorded and Apple can be forced to give over all your information. Um, uh, that, like what uh, that, you did that, there. That you need to really kind of, uh, you know, d- rethink when you're going to deny something. And if you get caught in a lie, I, I completely agree with you. I think it's, you know, fall on the sword and don't make it a Watergate. Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, let's wrap it up. I think that was a, a good first episode. I, don't I think know. that was a solid pod, and I think very little editing would be required. In fact, I think that we should not waste our time editing this at all. And just post it? Yeah, I mean... I don't I, even know where we could post it to. I, I, I was going to say, I, I, I'm a very good editor, and I know your editing skills are also amazing. But I think <laughs> we should just you know, leave okay. this raw and post it as is. Okay. I, I'm down with that. All right. Sounds like a plan. Well, first we'll get a website. Yeah. Then we'll get sponsored by Squarespace. Yeah. Then we'll and we'll use Squarespace Kim. and MailCamp. Yeah. And then we'll use those platforms to make the website. Yeah. And then we'll post it on there. Okay. Sounds good. I like it. Okay. Bye. Oh, that's me oh. saying bye. That's me saying bye. Great yeah. timing, Mimi. All right. Bye.